Hello and welcome to this edition of Tech Telemedicine Tomorrow, Answers for Healthcare's Digital Trends. I'm your host, Tony Pasolacqua. Today I have special guest, Rebecca Owen from our Underwriting and Business Development Department, and our conversation today is going to focus on cyber liability. Rebecca, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, thanks for having me. I've been with TMLT for 13 years, and I've been in the medical malpractice industry for 19 years. My focus has really been in the underwriting department and growing to learn more about how to service uh, physicians and um, assisting admins in their daily lives in the um, physician office. So I know one of the major questions that we do get from a lot of our policyholders is, what is cyber insurance? Cyber insurance has been around since the 1990s, but it really took off around 2002. Uh, It provides protection for data breaches that may affect clients' uh, personal information. In healthcare, this translates to responding to a breach of patient protected health information, or PHI. And a breach could be a result from an error inside your office, a rogue employee, or a hacker, which we're hearing more and more about. So I know one of the big questions that we sometimes get as well is, why is there a need for cyber liability insurance? I mean, right now, the way that I think a lot of people view it is that they're specifically working in a medical practice, and they shouldn't have to worry about the whole cyber side. Well, like all insurance coverage, you never know when you may need it. Errors can happen every day, some small and then some large. But most physician practices tell us that they don't need coverage because they have a third-party IT company helping protect against hackers and other penetrations. But the IT company can't help when your staff accidentally emails the wrong document. And who's protecting you when your third-party IT company has a breach? Your basic policy may not offer that type of coverage for you. So the idea is to consider what your needs are, how large your group is, And then what other expectations are you not aware of that may affect your business in the future? Can you kind of break it down for us and explain how the standard coverage is and and maybe how that coverage can be used? Sure. At TMLT, each physician has $100,000 in coverage. If you have a group policy with a covered entity, the entity has a $100,000 per claim, $500,000 policy limit. And there is no deductible for this coverage. This includes coverage for data breach expenses, including notification of the breach and credit monitoring expenses for the patient. Network asset protection recovers and or replaces data that has been lost or corrupted. There's business income loss and interruption expenses as a result of a partial or total interruption from a breach. Cyber extortion and cyber terrorism is something we used to actually chuckle about but ransomware is our number two cyber claim reason in healthcare. There's multimedia liability coverage, which covers you for uh, claims made against you for plagiarism, copyright infringement, and libel or slander. And this could be online or offline media. There's security and privacy liability, which covers you if a client reports a claim resulting from a breach that may have occurred. There's also brand guard coverage, which covers you for lost revenue as a result of an adverse media report, if it gets out to the media that you did have a security breach. And then there's PCI DSS coverage, which means the payment card industry data security standards or payment care company rules. This coverage provides expenses and assessments and fines imposed by banks and credit card companies due to non-compliance with the PCI DSS. Wow, that sounds like that policy covers a lot of different areas. 
if someone was interested in doing a potential buy-up, can they do that? And if so, are there any types of, I guess, advantages with doing a buy-up? Uh, yes, we do actually offer a higher limit of either $1 million, $2 million, or $3 million. These limits actually add up to so much more, so contact us to get additional information on how this works. But our higher limit policy also includes additional coverage for cybercrime, which includes phishing schemes and phone fraud, and dependent business interruption. This covers you when you're relying on another company to help you run your business. Some of you may recall that last year, Allscripts EMR had a ransomware attack, and it took months to get them back up and running. Several businesses were down for a long time with no access to their patient records. If you had dependent business interruption coverage, you could have filed a claim with us to help with the interruption expenses and income loss. So a really interesting fact for us is that the average hacker will sit on someone's computer system for about 265 days um, prior to anyone being aware of their presence on your system. So there's always that need that you may not actually know you need insurance until uh, the actual event occurs, but in many instances, it's not that a hacker is going to get on your computer system and you're going to be blatantly aware that they're there. They're actually kind of sitting dormant for several months. Exactly. Rebecca, do you have any examples on the way that uh, our policyholders are using the specific coverage? Sure. Our number one claim reported is negligence, so basic human error. Uh, For instance, a document that contains another person's PHI is accidentally emailed to the wrong person and violates HIPAA, this would be covered. There's also claims that have been reported because an employee received an email who they thought was their boss stating to send money to a vendor. Some of these emails look very convincing, but usually have some type of misspelling or error in them. It's usually not caught until after the money is sent and that the request was not legitimate. These phishing cases are not covered under the basic TMLT coverage. They are only covered in the buy-up policy. As stated previously, our number two claim is ransomware. The most important piece to note if you're attacked by a hacker is to not turn off your system completely. By doing this, forensics may not be able to determine what the hacker did and how many patient records were affected. Our third most reported claim is rogue employees. So we understand that you hire somebody and you trust them to work in your practice, but there are some employees who will infiltrate your system and steal information. The more information they get, the more money they receive. This is a more and more common claim that we are hearing. Tony, do you have any response to rogue employees? Yeah, well, it's really interesting. One of the things that we do know about rogue employees is you really want to have some good policies and procedures in place. First of all, you want to have a robust IT uh, support system in which you can identify if someone's trying to gain access to different systems. The other thing that you want to do is to set up some role-based access. So your employees don't need access to everything inside of your computer system. You can isolate their access to like just specific areas. And then the other thing is to make sure that uh, as you're going through the entire process, you do have some sort of policy in place that states that upon termination of an employee, uh, you're gonna try to remove their access as quickly as possible. Uh, I know in some instances we are seeing practices do it just prior to the termination, um, but most are trying to do it within a very short, less than 24 hour, and even that's too long, to remove their access to their computer systems. And if it's okay with you, I would like to kind of touch on the other two topics, to negligence and ransomware. Sure. So the, the negligence side from the risk 
perspective. A lot of that can actually be focused on awareness training. So sometimes we find out that employees are not necessarily aware that they're actually causing some sort of negligence. There may be in a hurry. There's maybe no policies uh, and procedures in place. And I think, Rebecca, you, you kind of nailed the nail on the head on that one when you said it could be a typo. But just inside of like basic keystrokes, right, you'll identify that a capital I and a lowercase l look a lot alike in an email. So trying to sometimes identify those different variations, that can actually cause some issues. And then ransomware, one of the big things that I think everybody needs to know about ransomware is that the burden of proof lies on that entity to prove what type of ransomware was used. And what a lot of individuals are not aware of is that the ransomware itself may either isolate internally or in some instances as it's encrypting those files, it'll take that information and send it off-site. And if you have your IT team and they go in and immediately wipe that entire computer system, you'll be unable to prove which type of ransomware was used. You're going to want to have something in place or a computer system isolated so that you can use that specific computer to prove what type of uh, ransomware was used on your facility. Rebecca, do you know what the average cost of a data breach is right now? According to NAS Insurance, they recently reported that the 2018 Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report, 58% of all cyber attacks targeted small businesses. And the cost to respond and recover from these attacks averaged almost $385,000. So the average cost is about $125 per record. Consider how many records you have if your entire system was compromised. For instance, if you had 3,000 patients in your practice, the amount would be $375,000. So this amount only is covering the notification costs and the credit monitoring expenses. We don't know how much another cost could be for expenses, what other type of coverages might come into play and might be a result of increasing that, that amount. I guess one of the questions I would have is, is every carrier offering some sort of cyber liability coverage with their policies? So more and more insurance policies are providing some type of cyber coverage, but not all coverage is the same. You might find it on your general liability policy or another business policy that you may have. You're going to want to check to see what type of coverage they offer and also check with your insurance agent if you have them to see if they can do a comparison for you on this. Rebecca, what's the one thing that our listeners should know about cyber liability? What's, what's the main takeaway that you think that everyone should understand? Tony, I feel that most people, when we talk about cyber, most admins or physicians will state, I have everything in place and I have that third party uh, IT administrator, nothing could wrong, go wrong. But as we've been discussing, errors do happen. So it's really important to know, again, what coverage do you have in place and who are you going to call when you do have a breach? One of the things I'd like everyone to know is that a great way of identifying security strengths and weaknesses, vulnerabilities inside of your system is to have a security risk assessment done. And a lot of different organizations and companies do offer that type of service where they'll come in and do a security risk assessment for you. However, TMLT also provides that service as well. If you're interested in a security risk assessment, please contact TMLT. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you're a policyholder, please feel free to contact us with any questions by calling 1-800-580-8658 or check out our resources at tmlt.org and clicking on a resource hub. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you.